0: Today is June 29th, 2014, I believe. Uh, the topic of today's sermon is Can You Dig It? Yeah. Everybody say, Can You Dig It? Heard it, say it. it. Yeah. <laughs> We'll get, to, we'll get to the meaning behind that in a minute, but uh, when I was growing up, um, my dad has, has been gone from this earth for about a year now, and I still, you know, will come across things, and somebody will say something to remind me of my dad. Uh, one of the things that my dad used to say, and actually after a while, he quit, he started getting hand motions and wouldn't say it, but, do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? <laughs> yes, Father. Clearly, I hear thee. Like, you know, he would, he'd be there, do you hear me? And obviously he wasn't actually talking about, are the sound waves from his mouth getting to my ear? Is it registering? He was saying, do you understand what I'm saying to you? And so after a while, it got kind of shortened to from, do you hear me? He would just touch his ear. He'd be like, yes, I hear and see you, Dad. Thank you. Uh, and if if as I was just thinking of a title today, I was like, I could see my dad, had he been in a different generation, going, man, can you dig it? Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? You know, that's what we're hoping for today is that we're going to have, uh, um, I, I'm so encouraged just by the prophecy, by the spirit of worship that was here in this place. Uh, the truth is, is we will now do a teaching about what you've already heard. Amen. It's basically the way that this is going to kind of work out which is the way that it should work out in the house of God. Um, If you will turn to 2 Kings chapter three, 2 Kings chapter three, we're going to hang out in 2 Kings a lot. We might branch out, but we're going to come back to 2 Kings chapter three. Okay. So if you want to put a place there and hold that Um, lately, I have been reading through first and second Kings and I just, I'm stuck in first and second Kings right now. Um, It's amazing when you're, Um, I had had the privilege of helping my brother move from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to Ann Arbor, Michigan just a couple of days ago. So I helped him load up the truck and drove a rental vehicle, towing a car about 47 and a half million miles between Baton Rouge and Ann Arbor. And while I'm driving, because it's just me and the truck, I have my, my earphones in. I'm listening to First and Second Kings. I'm just listening and going, Golly. The Israelites wanted a king. They they insulted God and asked for a king, and then you hear the litany of kings that come through here. After a while, they split. I know some of you guys know this. I'm just skimming over the top of this. They split into two different kingdoms. God's people split into two different kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Right? So now we have two kings. So when you're reading along, you're like, oh, wait. Sometimes, truthfully, as I was listening along, maybe I got focused on the traffic in front of me or something, I kind of pop back in. I'm like, oh, am I listening to a king of Israel or a king of Judah? Okay, let me just back it up and just listen again. But you, you hear these lines of people, and it's amazing because very few of them actually did what God told them to do. Wow. You go through list after list, and, and you hear of this king, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then his son became king, and his son did even worse than the father and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And you go down and down and down, and you start going, wow. Uh, one of the things that I always try to reflect on is when I'm reading the Bible, I'm not trying to figure out what they were like. I'm trying to do that. But I'm trying to see what I'm like and how I reflect them. How the very things that I do and that we do in our society really reflect very closely sometimes what is exactly what's going on thousands of years ago. So in 2 Kings chapter 3, Elijah has already been taken up into heaven, and the, the stories and the exploits of Elijah are worth study. It's worth us looking into because they're incredible. So in chapter 3, verse 1, let's just start reading, and we're going to hopefully find some things that God has for this group of people today. Joram, son of Ahab, became king of Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Okay, so in Judah, Jehoshaphat is king. In the middle of his reign-ish, you get Joram. And Joram reigned 12 years. Verse 2, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, so this is not a particularly fantastic king. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as his father and mother had done. His father was Ahab. His mother was Jezebel. So in other words, he wasn't as bad as his mom and pop. But he still wasn't good. Right? He got rid of the sacred stone of Baal that his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused um, Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. Okay, we're gonna go on with other stuff. I just wanna what we're gonna do today is go through this chapter and just try to mine out some gold nuggets that we might that we might take. Okay, there's a lot of things that we could do. And we're not going to be able to hit every nugget that's in there, but that's what we're trying to do today. Um, Let me encourage you. Sometimes we look at people and we see that they have some success in their life. And so as human beings, as Americans, whatever we are, we want to say, Oh, uh, Joram was classified as doing evil in the sight of the Lord. But he did some positive things. He tore down some idols. He tore down some offerings to other gods. And yet he was classified as having done evil in the sight of the Lord. This is not an American way of thinking where you're basically pretty good people and you mainly are going to do good and every once in a while you mess up. This is showing that his life was marked not by the few good things that he did, but by the condition of his heart. That's right. It's easy for us, to, uh, you, and you heard it in the, in the prophecies that went forth this morning. There was a call to purity. There's a call to holiness. There's this call that God is doing, not just here in this local body, but around the globe. Hey folks, we can't live the way the world does. If it's a Fox News app, if it's Facebook, if it's whatever, that's not our standard. We have something that is incredibly holy that we are supposed to stand for. I do not want to get to the end of my life and have lots of good things and me be classified as a person who did evil on the side of the Lord. You can do good things. You can even be used of God. And you still not be in the right heart place with God. This should be a sobering thing for all of us, that we pay attention to these things and go, um, just because you have done what God has told you to do in the past, just because we moved to Austin four years ago and did what God told us to do, does not mean we're done being obedient. That's right. If that's the last act of obedience that we ever did, I think that we'd get to the end of our life and God would go, you did evil in my sight. This move here, much faith as we've ever used, guess what? won't be the last. It will be a daily thing. It has to keep going on that we keep staying obedient to God because really the measure of our lives is at the end of this thing. <laughs> Which is encouraging and sobering all at the same time. If you have a bad day, this thing is, we've got, we're going to keep pressing towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat. I would hate to be the guy. You know, the guy. Don't be that guy. Actually, I've I've told my son Gabriel that before. And and we just mean it, we'll say, hey, don't be that guy. What does that mean? Well, you know, that guy. And it it can mean different things at different times. Don't be, you know, make sure that you have good hygiene as a young man. You don't want to be that guy. (laughs) Don't be that guy who goes somewhere and expects everyone to pay for you and not offer to pay for it for yourself. You're 14. Don't be that guy. (laughs) I just thought you'd pay for me. I don't have... Uh, Don't be that guy. Be ready. You know, so I would hate to be that guy. Jeroboam, son of Nebat. Because if you look through the scripture in different translations, it's over 25 times that it said, and it traces some of... Israel's evilness, some of the evil practices they did, back to that guy. Can you dig it? (laughs) That guy. And what he did was he decided it was too hard to actually ask people to worship the way that God had intended. What he did was he decided to make two other places because it was more convenient for people to come and worship in Bethel and in Dan. It was more convenient. You know, and while we're at it, since we're in two different places, I'm just going to get anybody to come and be a priest. It no longer has to be a Levite, which God had prescribed. Now it can really be anybody. Just, Are you interested? Great, come on. We'll just sign you up. Folks, these are the beginnings of absolute evil. And it was built around Convenience. Nobody starts off a marriage and like, Hey, we're hoping we're going to fall apart in three years. Yay! But how many people fall apart? Nobody starts in church world and is like, Hey, I hope I get hurt and harmed and mangled and chewed up and spit out. Yay! But there's a process that gets us where we we walk out of the center of God's will. One degree off may not sound like a lot, but if you're on a, a thousand mile journey... One degree off will put you in the wrong state. It'll put you on the wrong continent if, if, you're, if you're going far enough. We are not allowed to kind of eh, be close. We're not supposed to kind of spitball this, right? We've got to be in God's will. Jeroboam, uh, so he's, he's made two other places, Bethel and Dan. He's gotten all kind of random priests to come in, whether they're qualified or not. He's made golden images. And he encouraged God's people basically in complete idolatry, but he wrapped it in convenience. Sounds like today, doesn't it? I I mean, seriously, don't we live in a world where God God help you if you're not out of here in an hour and 15 minutes at a church service? I mean, (laughs) because that's just inconvenient. I could tell Pastor Eric how to make the church grow. You know why? I could just tell him to be more convenient about things. Right? For more convenient, more people will come. But I don't want to be that guy. (laughs) I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy who causes people, out of a sake of convenience, to start doing things that are just enough off that God then classifies it as evil instead of righteousness. Wow. Okay, so let's keep going. Don't be that guy. Verse 4, Now Misha, king of Moab, raised sheep. Okay, good to know. <laughs> and he had to supply the king of Israel with 100,000 lambs and with wool of 100,000 rams. But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. Okay, um, sometimes we miss new seasons in our lives. They had an agreement between Ahab and Misha, right? Did I say the name right? Misha, king of Moab. They had an agreement. 100,000 lambs, the wool from 100,000 rams. Something changed. Ahab died. The guy, I guess, that Misha was afraid of is gone on. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we miss some pretty obvious signs in our life and God is putting us in a new season and we're trying to cling to the old... We're trying to put things on autopilot. And I encourage you, you can't do autopilot and do Christianity. But we all want to do that. I, I want to do that. Let me, not, let me not throw you under the bus. I'll just tell you honestly, I like it when things get, you like in a rhythm. I like things normal. We just, you know, we're in the process of unpacking our house and my wife has done an amazing job and we're pretty much unpacked. But hey, where is this? We had a place for it before and now I don't know where the place is. I have to get off of autopilot and do something different. The people of Israel here had to do something different. There was a new season that came. So Joram kind of mustered the troops. He went through Israel, collected them all. Verse 7. He also sent this message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. King of Israel is Joram. King of Judah is Jehoshaphat. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go... With me to fight against Moab. Uh, let me encourage you. God hasn't made this where you can do this by yourself. Yeah. Even a king who did what was evil in the sight of the Lord knew that he needed some help. Don't be by yourself. I didn't realize that Houston is a it's called the Bayou City. I'm from Louisiana. I know what bayous are. I didn't realize that I really didn't. I was like, Houston is the bayou city? Is it? That's what they call it, right? Okay, they're all like, I was like, oh, I just said that wrong. Sorry. It's called the Bayou City. I'm like, oh my goodness. Well, just, just, you know, the last Bayou in reference here. Just don't be by yourself. Okay. Just thought I'd try that. Jehoshaphat says, I will go with you. I am as you are. My people as your people. My horses as your horses. Verse 8. By what route shall we attack? He asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. Verse 9. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. Doesn't really talk too much about the king of Edom. He just kind of jumps on board. We're going through your your territory here. He jumps on board. And so now there's three kings. I almost called this sermon We Three Kings. But (laughs) I decided I liked Can You Dig It a lot better, and you'll see why. Um, After a roundabout march, roundabout, After a roundabout march, yeah, from too. exactly, of seven days. Now, let me just encourage you: when you're reading the Bible, don't get too much in a hurry, because you miss some fun things. After a roundabout march, we're just roundabout marching. We're just going around, relaxing. We're about to go fight, but we're just on a roundabout. I don't. I'm, I that just. That kind of just caught my attention. I was like, it's this. It makes it sound like this is leisurely thing. The truth is, is they were going through difficult terrain because they didn't want to go through the north and enter to attack Moab because Moab was expecting that. So they were trying to get the drop on them. And they were going through some difficult paths that they couldn't just have a straight line. But what happens when you go on a roundabout march for seven days with an army? The army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them bigger picture. Have you ever started doing something and just flat run out of resources? <laughs> yes. I thought that I was going to go this way, and apparently I've roundabouted my way right out of resources. I no longer have the finances I thought I'd have, and it's only seven days. It's a week. They haven't even gotten to the fight yet. I've felt that way before in my life. I'm like, I am beating myself up, and I haven't even got to the hard part yet, right? <laughs> Verse 10, what exclaimed the king of Israel? <laughs> Very eloquent, right? <laughs> what? Oh, my gosh. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hound us, hand us over to Moab? Um, do you, have, you guys have friends like this? Something happens? <laughs> you know, you start coughing. They're like, oh, could be lung cancer. You're like, whoa. Whoa. I got a headache. Might be a tumor. Would you stop? <laughs> Thank you, oh brother, sister of encouragement. Stop that. That reminds me of the king of Israel right here. <laughs> has the Lord seven days now, folks? A week into this journey. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over? We're gonna die! Oh God, we're gonna die. Would you just calm down for a second? And it's funny when it's Moab. It's it's funny when it's Joram about Moab. It's not as funny when we're in our life and we're like, I'm going to die. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have the intelligence. I don't have the looks. Whatever you can fill in the blank there with the I don't have, I don't have enough favor. People don't notice me. Would you just calm down for a second? You've been here for seven days. Just simmer down a little bit and let God do what He's going to do in your life. Amen. Let's quit getting... What? Freaked out. Just relax. Everybody say, can you dig it? Can you dig just, it? Just relax. It's going to be all right. Verse 11. But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? I'm so glad that someone finally decided to ask Jesus something. Yes. Ask God something, and it's kind of already in the process. I, am, I resemble that sometimes. We go and do stuff, and I'm like, oh, you know, I really haven't prayed about it particularly. I kind of just launched out here, and now I'm on my own, and let's see what the Lord might have to say. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, there's always somebody around you who knows what you need. Somebody around you, your resources are often in the relationships that you have. They were asking a question. Someone standing by at attention, a guard, says, "Oh yeah, Elisha, son of Shaphat is here." And then it tells you how this guy would know. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Verse 12. Jehoshaphat said, "The word of the Lord is with him." So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Do you know what the normal custom was? If you're a king, you call people and they come to you. Right? I'm the king bid them come, go get them, bring them to me. This is an interesting time when the three kings realized that they were in some trouble. And so they were like, we're going to dispatch with some normal pleasantries and formalities and we're going to go down to the man of God. And we're going to find out what's going on. Verse 13, Elisha said to the king of Israel, so they're all there now they meet. I love this gentle response that Elisha has. What do we have to do with each other? Why are you bothering me? Right? Go to the prophets of your fathers and the prophets of your mother. What is Elisha saying? Hey, you're just as likely to go find Baal or some other demonic spirit. Why don't you go talk to them? Why are you bothering me? No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us, three kings together, to hand us over to Moab. Did, had God called them together to hand them over to Moab? Not at all. Not even the truth. But he's still in freak-out mode. (laughs) That's my translation. That's the Wade Sutherland translation, by the way. I don't know how you can describe that out, but have fun with that. Verse 14. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. But, now bring me a harpist. Let me turn on a CD. Let me turn on some worship. That would be in modern times, that would be a guitarist instead of the harpist, right? While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Thank you, God, that when we cry out to Him, His hand can come upon us. He can come upon you. You can find out those things that are hidden and secret in your vision it is, to an, it is to the glory of man to seek out these secret things that God has. Just because you don't have the answer now, don't freak out. While the hoppers was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha and he said, This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. Everybody say, can you dig it? Can you dig it? Make this valley full of ditches. Isn't it interesting that sometimes when we are praying to God, the answer that we get sometimes is a little bit off kilter from what we think? God, uh, Elisha, we need water. Ask God. Okay, dig some ditches. <laughs> See, but we'll get thirsty while you're digging the ditches. He says, but he doesn't just say, dig ditches, he says, make this valley a valley, a region an area that's large, make this valley, what is the next word? Full of ditches. Let me just encourage you guys today as we're together. This one little phrase has been the phrase that's been bouncing around. I've been reading through Kings, but I keep coming back to this phrase. Make the valley full of ditches. Kind of weird, right? Let me rephrase this for you a little bit. Why don't you get prepared for what God's about to do in your life? why don't you clear out some space for Him to move into? Amen. You can't have God coming into you if you're full of yourself. Amen. There are some things in my life, and through worship this morning, I'm hearing God say, you need to dig some ditches. You need to clear some space so that He can come in. And we're going to show other examples because there's actually a lot of examples in Scripture. I'm just going to pick just a couple of them. But the idea here is, make your life make this valley full of ditches full of places that god can come in and fill full of them maybe your life what what is god asking you to prepare for maybe it's you getting your finances in order get the shovel out and start digging the ditch and by the way ditch digging not exactly easy work not exactly actually it's very very difficult so, maybe it's going to take some time to get through some hard ground and get a ditch, get a trench going here in your finances. Maybe God's saying you need to dig a ditch in the area of your marriage. You got all kinds of stuff that's just piled in there, piled on top, can't even see where something starts and where something ends. You might need to get a shovel and start digging that ditch. Maybe it's your own walk with the Lord, and He's just saying you got to clean some of these things out. Prepare. <laughs> Why? because there's an answer coming. Prepare like you actually have faith in that there is going to be an answer, that you are going to fulfill your calling, that He is going to work in your marriage, that He is going to save your kids, that He is going to bless you in your finances. Whatever it is, start preparing now for the next. You can't wait for it to happen before you get prepared for it. Because even when it happens, you won't be able to contain it. So, So look what happens here. Make this valley full of ditches. Verse 17. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain. (coughs) Ladies and gentlemen, usually when water comes, there's some type of rain. Guess there could be a spring that burst forth somewhere. He's going to say, you're not even going to know how this is going to happen. And you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. Verse 18. Take a look at this. This is... Is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. I freak out on things that are just an easy thing for the Lord. God, why aren't I where I? Why am I not where I think I should be? Hey, simmer down. This is an easy thing for me to do. This, God, how are we going to move to Houston? I am turning down jobs. I'm leaving a job. I got offered the two best jobs that I've ever been offered in my life before we moved here. It was awesome. It was great. I was like, oh, I got to turn them both down, don't I? Yes. One was here in Houston. One was in Baton Rouge. All that I could have ever asked for. Either job. I could have flipped a coin and and made a good decision. I could have stumbled into a good decision. But it wouldn't have been God. God. And I knew that when I, I got offered two jobs on the same day. One at a ginormous church. One at another place that was been more financially blessed than I've ever been in my life. Probably times two. Twice as much as I've ever made in my life. Per year. Ah. Clearly this must be the Lord. <laughs> I can work there and tithe better to the church. <laughs> No, I that didn't. I just when I first heard it, I turned. I turned to my wife and I was like, "I'm going to turn them both down." She was like, "Yes, you are." Hey, I'd rather do it God's way, whether I can see or hear where it's coming from or not. And God bless you. I hope you have a fantastic job. The point of our story is obedience. Not we did it because it was the hard way. Well, don't be stupid. Seriously, if he's trying to bless you, go be blessed. That's fine. But be obedient. Just because there are a lot of zeros after uh, uh, your paycheck doesn't necessarily mean that that's what God has for you. Hopefully he does. Amen. Blessings. But that's not necessarily the case. Because look what happened. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) You need water? Seriously? Seriously? You just need a couple of million gallons of water. Pfft. He will, And by the way, he will also hand Moab over to you. Do you, you know what they forgot in seven days? They were going to, about to have a battle. They got sidetracked. I'm like, oh, my God, we're going to die before we get to the battle. We don't even have water. Can I encourage you that sometimes we get distracted in our own lives from what God has for us? We get pulled aside because we just get in the immediacy of what the problem is. And he's saying, oh, yeah, by the way, you even forgot to keep praying about defeating the enemy who's rising up against you. I'm going to give you what you need for today. And oh, yeah, I'm going to hand Moab over to you as well. Oh, God can not only provide for you today, let's quit praying so short sightedly. God, what's going to go on today? Amen. Pray for your daily bread. Absolutely. How about you keep always in your focus what he's calling you to do? Besides God just directly telling us that I was to turn down those other two jobs, you know what I knew? They weren't going to take me to fulfill my call. That's right. There was nothing in them. They were perfectly cast for what I have done in the past, where I have been, but neither job offered me anything towards where I need to go. It made it very clear to me. Thank you, Lord, for that. Verse 18, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also hand over Moab to you. You will overthrow every fortified city. Come on, everybody say every. every. And every major town. Say every again. Every. You will cut down every good tree. Every. Stop up all the springs. Say all. all. And ruin every good field with stones. Every. I like it when God uses words that I can understand. <laughs> every, all. Cool, that's... <laughs> I don't need to be super smart to figure these things out. He's going to be with you in every circumstance. He wants to have victories in your life that are completely dominant. Because it will glorify Him. The next morning, about the time for the offering, the sacrifice. So this is less than 24 hours later. When you hear a word from the Lord, He says, Go make this valley full of ditches. Go pick up a shovel. If the children of Israel here and, and the children of Judah and the Edomites would have waited, we hear the Word of the Lord, we will round about get our way to digging some ditches. There must have been some fervency that when they heard that, go respond. You know, little secret to Christianity, if you just do what you're told, <laughs> when you hear God's voice, just go do it. Like it really isn't brain surgery sometimes, guys. We just go do... We heard that we were supposed to move to Houston. And you guys, I mean, we're not... Ours is fresh in my mind. I know that you guys have done the same thing. I know that we are actually fairly average for this kind of church. <laughs> we'll give up a lot to come. that would be great. We just fit right in, right? <laughs> the next morning, about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was. I say, there it was. There it was. Water flowing from the direction of Edom. Doesn't say if there was a rainstorm during the night doesn't say if some spring bubbled up from the ground. doesn't say if a, they didn't have dams, but a dam broke somewhere and there's water flowing. It just says, there it was. I love it. The Bible doesn't even try to explain it. It's like, look, you're not going to see it or hear it anyway. There it was. I love those kind of things. <laughs> and the land was filled with water. Now all the Moabites had heard that the kings had come out to fight against them, so every man, young and old, who could bear arms was called up and stationed on the border. When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. So God has provided them water so that they could all drink and their animals and they can get replenished. And in God's provision, what they saw was water. Okay? They saw water and they got what they needed. Here's what the enemies of God saw it's just water on the ground, filling ditches in a valley. Verse 22, When they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water. Of course it was, because it was water. And the sun comes up. To the Moabites across the way, the water looked red like blood. Huh. Believers and non-believers should look at things and see things differently. When we look at something we should see provision. We should see God's hand in it. Someone else may see something entirely different. <laughs> How could you turn down jobs? How could you walk away from a job? Looks like water to me. You're going to die. It looks like blood. Nope. I'm going to drink and be refreshed. Actually, I've just found an oasis. That which you think is killing me is actually blessing me to no end. It is causing the palm trees to flourish. It is causing me to become more planted in the very house of the the Lord. I'm going to be a tree of righteousness planted here. The very thing that you think is going to wipe me out is literally what's giving me strength. Verse 23, That's blood, they said. Those kings must have fought and slaughtered each other. Now to the plunder. Those stupid Christians probably fought and killed each other. Because we know how they act. Because we've been around. They could very well have just killed each other. Verse 24. But when the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up. Because why? Because they were just getting out of bed. They They were having their morning cup of java. Oh, hey, look, here they come. When the Moabites came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites rose up. Sometimes we have to rise up. You can't stay seated. You can't stay reclined. You can't stay comfortable and accomplish all that God has for you. That's right. I'm sorry to tell you that. I wish we could kind of stay in the lazy boy and have a remote that just kind of pointed at something. We have to rise up. We can't be at the level of everyone else and conquer. We can't be less holy. We have to rise up in our holiness and God's holiness through us. We have to rise up in the integrity of our hearts. We have to rise up in our devotion to Him. Amen. Moabites came to Israel. The Israelites rose up and fought them until they fled. And the Israelites invaded the land and slaughtered the Moabites. They destroyed the towns, and each man threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. Kind of cool. It just I have this picture, and they're all just running along to do something else and just throwing rocks in fields. Why? To mess up everything. I mean, they were, they were going to dominate these people. They destroyed the towns, and each man uh, threw a stone on every good field until it was covered. They stopped up all the springs and cut down every tree. Gives you a little aside here just for information. Only Kir Hareseth was left with its stone in place. I guess, I don't know. They couldn't do it. I don't, there's no, I don't, I don't know why this is. But men armed with slings surrounded it and attacked it as well. Even the stuff that they couldn't quite figure out how to do? We're just... i throw rocks at that dude. <laughs> I like it. When the king of Moab saw that the battle had gone against him, he took with him 700 swordsmen. So what's happening? People have risen up. They've made the valley full of ditches. They've done what they're supposed to do. They're getting the upper hand. And what comes? A serious opposition force. Yes. 700 swordsmen come, and we're gonna, we're gonna, they're trying their last-ditch effort to try to turn the tables here. They tried to come with 700 swordsmen to break through the, to the king of Edom, but they failed. Then he took his firstborn son, who was to succeed him as king, and offered him as a sacrifice. It looks like the swordsman at first is their final launch. King of Moab is so demonically influenced, he's literally going to offer his son. It's amazing how much the demonic forces want to counterfeit what God does, right? Yeah. We're going to offer my son, the next king, on this wall. I may not be the smartest, best looking, whatever, but I surely don't want someone to outlove their God compared to me. I may not be able to be as eloquent as someone else, but I want to be faithful. And when I want to have such a seriousness that I would be willing to give my own life for my king. Amen. This demonic force, this demonic act, actually kind of stopped the people of God. What does it say? The fury against Israel was great. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a locker room or athletics or something or usually seen them on TV and movies. And they get there and they just start getting, you know, some coach gets all these men in a football game and gets them all fired up and they go out and raw, And they take the field and it's, it's a different thing. It's a different game. Offered the next king and the wrong people Got excited and went out. The fury against Israel was great. They withdrew, they, the Israelites, withdrew and returned to their own land. Let me encourage you. <laughs> this is a real story. I love this story because it's real life. There's despair, there's God coming through with miracles, there's victories, and then this is how it ends it goes on to the widow with her oil. We're going to talk about that in just a second. That's the end of the story. And it all wrapped up and the guy killed his son and so they went home. Whoa. Whoa. Did God's word change? No. Had anything changed about what God had provided, what he had done, the victories that they had won? But then at some point they just went, that's just too much. Don't ever get to the point in your life we're serving God. You just go, look, that's just too much. I know I've, we've done a lot of good things. Boy, it's been great. We've gone on mission trips. We've seen people saved and filled with the Spirit. It's been fantastic. That's just too much. I can't handle that. It happens all the time, all over the world. Same. May we be a people who aren't, who don't come to that. What I would have loved has been that the children of Israel rose up and all the more completed their task. I wish that was the verse next. It's not. Don't get in this thing, and because we're so accustomed to comfort, that we don't finish what God has called us to do. We've got to finish. Broken, wounded, limping along. You know, we used to say a long time ago, if if we compare our, our Christian walk with a car, I don't want to pull in. To the, end of my, to the end of this Christian walk and have this nice, pristine, full tank kind of car. I want to come in with a busted up vehicle, two wheels, flipping over. Poof, ah, that's all it had. That was it. There wasn't an ounce of anything left that I could have given to you, Lord. That was it. Amen. That's the way that we should be running this race with a reckless abandon in our hearts, with wisdom and skill in our hands. I'm not saying we don't think. I'm not saying that we don't learn and we work on our skill, but it, we, we go with reckless abandon. Amen. Though it costs me everything. Amen. Yeah. If I'm wrong, I'll die. Amen. The end. I'm not going to let some ungodly person who's willing to do all kinds of demonic things offset me. Yes. I am a literal child of the King of the universe. I am not what you see. I'm much more than that. You are much more than that. You are called. You are anointed. There's a purpose on your life, but people walk away from it all the time. It's just too hard. It's just too uncomfortable. It's just too much. Don't let that be your final verse. And as we wrap it up, here's a few things. I hope this is making sense. Faith is always about digging before the water comes. Your Christian journey is going to be a lot of times where you have to dig and dig and dig and dig and then dig some more. Because you're like, okay, God, I'm doing this because you told me and because at this point, that's all I got to do. I don't know what else to do. Can you imagine being Noah? Somewhere around 120 years building an ark? And no rain, we get seven days in and we're like, whoa, 120 years doing the same thing, apparently failing every single day. Bro, you got a big old tree house in the back of your yard. It's a boat, it's a tree house. You ain't got no animals in there. It's a boat, it's an ark. 120 years. But when God moves. But when God moves. Do not lose heart. Do not become weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap what? If you faint not. When I'm saying digging ditches, I'm saying it's with your eyes on the prize. It's can you dig it? Can you get into this thing and stay firm not of your own strength, but staying connected to the One. I love the emphasis that we have on this church on every one of us understanding that it's so important for us to be Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered to do this thing. I'm not asking you to will yourself to do anything. Maybe your will is better than mine. Maybe you can go further than I can. You still can't get all the way to this. You can't. You You just won't make it. Here's a few things that will help to keep you digging properly. Just a few things and then we'll wrap up. 2 Kings chapter 4. How to to keep digging properly. Let's just put it this way. Don't minimize what God has given you. I heard Jen prophesy that this morning. Don't minimize what God has given you. Let's take a look. Just a few scriptures here. 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets. So we just ended ended that other verse. This this is the next verse. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Verse 2. Elisha said to her, How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. I love this answer. Your servant has nothing there at all. Well, except a little oil. <laughs> okay, so I got to tell him myself. Uh, before service, Mike uh, Hutchinson came up, man, we need to do lunch. And my heart was right about it, but I'm, I'm a total goober, and I said the wrong thing. I was like, man, anytime you want. And he's like, how about today? And I went, can't do it today. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> I was excited. I said, you know, something I couldn't actually do today, you know. The lady kind of reminds me of that, this is humanity. Yes. This is not cleaned up. She's like, "I don't have anything. Except for a little oil. <laughs> well, then you have something." <laughs> well, technically, yes, All right? How many of us come to the Lord, and we're like, "I don't have anything." <coughs> well, except I can sing." Or, well, except I can do this." And we come to the Lord and we say, "I have nothing." And he's going. Yes, you do, because I've given you something. Yes, wow. You don't need much of something. What we often mean is, I don't have enough to feel like I can go and do something great. That's what we really mean when we say, I don't have anything. No one in this room can say, I don't have anything when it comes to spiritual matters. You cannot say that and be accurate. You can say it all you want. But it's not the truth. Except a little oil. And then we know, right? We know the rest of the story. That's why the ditches and this really, they're linked in my brain. Because he tells her to go get all the vessels that she can find, all the empty vessels. She takes that little and pours and fills every vessel that she can find. And the only time that the oil stopped was when there was no more room. The oil will stop flowing in your life when you run out of room for the oil to be poured. It will stop. Why? Because you don't have any more place for it. It is a limitless supply. It can do anything. It can continue on in an unending fashion. If you keep clearing some things out, if you keep, I'm going to merge the two stories just a little bit, if you keep digging your ditches, if you keep creating space for him, he'll just keep filling you. I love that. I love that. It, makes it, it puts it in a realm of reality that I can deal with. Well, I just don't have... Well, then clear some stuff out of your life. Make some place for him. It also works this way. God, I'm so woefully short of being able to do this. I can't do it. I can't. He's like, good, you've got some space for me. Amen. Quit thinking that you can't. Quit thinking that you have nothing. You have something. Give Him the space to do it in your life. Don't minimize what God has given you. The next one is don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I'm not usually one that kind of goes this route. I just wanted to encourage you guys today. Don't lose hope. What is it that God has promised you? I don't know. Are you in the middle of a waiting process? There's seed time and harvest. Are you having to just wait for the things to grow and it's just killing you? Don't lose hope. (laughs) But Pastor Wade, I've been waiting for a long time. It's been like a whole seven and a half days now. (laughs) Maybe you've been waiting 70 years. Maybe on the human scale, you have been waiting a long time. Don't lose hope. Don't get distracted from the call. Use that emptiness that you're feeling and allow Him to fill it. In that same chapter Second 2 Kings chapter 4... Verse 16. So the Shunammite late woman is there. Elisha comes and says, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. She, she, hadn't, she didn't have a child at that point. Um, what did I say? Verse 16? Yeah. 16. Yeah. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. She said, no, my Lord. She objected. Don't mislead your servant. In other words, look, I don't have it in me for you to be playing with me. Don't play with my hope here. If this isn't really going to happen, just tell me now. Don't tell me that God is going to do something great in my life and then the fear of it not happening is going to be too much for me and I'm going to get overwhelmed. How many people don't do what God has called them to do because they're afraid? Not that He, they're afraid to step out because God has called them to something really very special. But it's too scary. Like, if this doesn't happen, I I wish I could explain what I'm thinking in my head right now. If this doesn't happen, it's worse than me not trying. I'd rather not try and never do it than to try to do something really fantastic for God and it fail. Don't lose hope. Don't lose your hope here. He goes through, time passes on, the child gets sick, the child actually dies. Elisha sends his servant in front to touch him with his staff. The staff does nothing. Elisha gets there. Um, verse, uh, let's, let's go to verse 28. Did I, Did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? <laughs> She's pretty real. I like this lady. Don't raise my hopes. Like, don't do this to me. He's dead. I told you not to mess with my hopes. Elisha goes in front. I mean, Gehazi goes in front. Um, The boy's boy's dead. He goes up into the upper room, closes the door. Something important about the door thing, but we'll we'll, we'll get to that another time. He lays on top of the child, nose to nose, eyes to eyes. Just lays on top of the child. Gets up, walks around, lays back on top of the child. Kid sneezes seven times and wakes up. Why does he sneeze? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm sure there are lots of brilliant scholars who could tell you why. I have no idea. I just thought that was an interesting bit of detail there. But don't lose your hope. The things that are in your life that you feel are dead can be resurrected. They can be resurrected. All you need is to not lose hope. Next one. Don't try to control the how. Does that make sense? The how? Sometimes we know that God wants. we're expecting God to do something in our life, but the truth is, is we want to control the how that it happens. Take a look at the next chapter. Just getting a little study in 2 Kings here. Chapter 5. I'm just going to talk through this story. Naaman has leprosy. He gets sent to the people of God. The king is like, oh my gosh. You're trying to pick a fight with us, this other nation. Elisha says, what are you doing? Come here. He sends word. He sends a servant to him. Tell him to go dip in the river, blah, blah, blah. Naaman gets mad. Verse 11. Go wash seven times in the Jordan is what he was told to do. Verse 11. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Not like he had thought this out or anything. I do this. I thought that God would do it this way. I envisioned me getting into ministry would look this way. I envisioned my family getting restored would look that way. I thought the man of God would come out and wave his hand and do this and like, you know, high five me and then I'd get healed. And he got mad. He got mad. He's about to get healed. He had to have somebody speak some sense into his life that said, you would have done something a lot harder than that. If I'd have told you to go on a year long journey with nothing but your backpack, you probably would have done it. He just went and asked you to go dip in the river. Don't let your version of the how derail you from what God has in your life. Amen. The timing of it, the way that it happens, the resources, the people that are attached to it. God will work all that out. And if He does it away, so many people miss the blessing of God because they're just focused on the how. They forget about the what, and they're like, I thought it would happen this way. No, I know you were looking for a king, but he came in a manger. Like, I get it. But you got to be flexible on the how. Don't expect it to be easy. Don't expect this journey to be easy. Crossing of the Jordan River with Joshua. You guys know the story. Won't even turn there. River is at flood stages. God did not dry up the river and make it dry before they got there. He made them show up at flood stage. And what did the Word tell them? Uh, as soon as the priests go stand in the water. This isn't going to be easy, folks. Sometimes you've got to go stand in the water going, hey, but it's at, flood it's at the worst possible moment for me to do this. Yeah. Ah! Go stand in the water, and then it will dry up. Yeah. We get that backwards as... People sometimes. We want the water to be all dried up before we know. That's how we know it's God. If you wait for 100%, it's not faith. If you wait to be 100% certain of something, you just bypass faith and then you can't please God. That's right. So just step out and do it. What He's telling you to do. Last one. Don't expect to give less than your all. That's what I heard in the prophecies this morning too. Don't expect to give less than Then you're all. That little boy on the day when Jesus was teaching and he fed the 5,000, kind of goes back to the widow, right? He didn't have much. We don't have to have much. (laughs) But God always seems to require our all. All of our heart, all of our resources, all of our time, all of our effort. We have to let all of our dreams die and see what God does in those instances. I just want to encourage you guys today to dig some ditches. I know it's a a simple phrase and I don't have the capacity to fill in what you need to be digging. I just know that your valley in your life needs to be full of ditches. You need to be full of places where God can come in and speak and fill and use you because you don't want to do this on your own. Let me have everybody stand with us right now.